the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for being with us tonight for this. This 4th of July, Independence Day version of The Bible Live broadcast. I hope you're looking forward to this 4th of July. Jacob, it is so interesting. I think this Fourth of July is going to be, well, they're all interesting and they're all and they're all special. And this is our country. We love it, and we ask God to bless this land and heal us and all. But the news of the last few days, I mean, to tell you, we're, we're kind of a little bit, a little bit of hope, you know, with this idea of a. Uh, things going on in Korea, the, um, another summit now with with Putin and Russia, and and the, the judgments that have been handed down from the from the Supreme Court these past uh, with this past week, two or three judgments that have been very strong and very positive. Well, for, it's all, but however, it's only five four. Yes, that's true. And that makes what that the rules are basically this: if the Supreme Court goes five four, that applies to that particular case. If you do get nine zero. That's the same as the Congress passing a law. Yes. So what you hope for is nine zero. Yeah, yeah. But so you know it could change at any time. Well, and that's the other hope is that all of a sudden just Justice Kennedy says, "Hey, it's yeah. time for me to step down. I'm going to resign," and all of a sudden the door is open for another 
pick for another uh, justice, perhaps on the uh, in, in the, in the on the of the kind of Gorsuch and and the, yeah, uh, and 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 I and I got to say the truth is uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, she is a very aged woman. True, she's had cancer. She's still under treatment, and I, I'm not sure that it's fair to have a person that's in the, with health conditions like that at that age making decisions for the rest of us. Because, you know, one of the things that always shocked me, remember, uh, who was the Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice, uh, what was his name, that died? Scalia? No, he's not a Chief Justice. Um, The other guy that was before him. Okay, but not Brennan, not... uh, not, But the Chief, I can't think of the Chief. uh Okay. Anyway, but when he died, he's one of the ones that became really a supporter of what they call the mandatory sentence And that's the one that Roberts... Took his place? Yes, when he uh, said, yes, uh, the one yeah, that Roberts took place of. Well, what's interesting about that guy, it turns out that for years he was addicted to drugs. And he's the one that actually would put mandatory sentences and putting people with drugs in prison. I mean, I know of cases where a guy got two marijuana cigarettes and got 20 years in prison because he wouldn't testify against his mother-in-law. Uh-huh. But so those facts go on, and, and so I'm not sure that it's fair that have somebody that's that aged, with all, with all due respect, and having health conditions. Because yeah, yeah. uh, I'm thinking about that Chief Justin, it turns out that he had been Rehnquist? using drugs for years, huh? Rehnquist? Rehnquist. Rehnquist yes. John to the rescue. Yes. Rehnquist. And it William out, Rehnquist. Yeah, and it turned out he had been <laughs> using these drugs Bill. Right. and getting prescriptions for them, even from the government, for years. Uh-huh. Now, had that been somebody else, they'd have gone away. <laughs> yeah, but, that's so, true. But anyway, so uh, my point is that Ginsburg may also end up retiring. Now, that's Reagan true. appointed three, so it's, it's conceivable that uh, Trump could do three. Well, the timing of these things and the, and the momentous occasion. We've we've been praying for this co- this country, for this nation, for what thirty, forty years now, for revival and for to turn back this. This huge wave of of uh, so very many uh, uh, so many in so many ways we, we're, we're turning back against the you know the historic traditional roots of our you know pro life and the value of life and the high mm-hmm. whether it's that or, or traditional values of in terms of sexuality and and home and family and marriage or whether it's about mm-hmm. you know religious issues so we've been praying a long time and all, and all of a sudden it seems like there might be a glimmer of hope that somehow we might see the ship Finally, beginning to turn a little. You know, say the Queen the Queen Mary turns. If you're turning, it's a long, it's, uh, it's a long, long hard thing to turn it. And, and yet, it seems like maybe for some of us, we're thinking maybe, oh Lord, we're we're moving toward a, a time of, of turning back, getting getting some things set right again, and overcoming some of this uh, some of this gradual. Um, uh, socializ- socialization, secularization, uh, and all that sort of thing, you know. Uh, so and I know you're very busy on Sunday, so I was going to ask you a dumb question. Say, did you watch the news shows today? I know you didn't. No, I did not. Uh, but, yeah, but for I, a number of reasons. But, uh, yeah, because yeah, I know Sunday's your big day. Your uh-huh, day. Right. We, yeah, pretty hard at it. Yeah. But on Sundays, I don't watch a lot of TV, frankly, but I do tend on Sundays to watch the news shows. The, the interviews and the, yeah. Well, they got these uh, on NBC, ABC. Oh, man, it's going crazy out there. There's so many things going on. I, I'm curious now what you're going to say. Well, because I was in shock today. 
on ABC and the, the I guess not Meet the Press, it's the other one. But uh, they had it's George Stephanopoulos. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, and he was the monitor. Now that's usually about news. What they had on there today was an author of a book. All about the immigration stuff no. or something? No. Okay. Oh, it's a criticism and demeaning Christians. Huh. That's what I said in the shock. That's why really? I asked. Yes. And I caught, and what they were talking about. And I thought, what's this got to do with, like, a weekly news show and the events that's happened this week? Uh, and what they were talking about was evangelistic Christians and how they consider Trump to be a biblical manifestation of Cyrus from the Bible and basically how silly they are. Well, I started, I couldn't believe I was watching that. And I thought, why would they have something like that on that news show at the very beginning? You know, it's where they talk about politics. Oh, I know why they did it. I bet you anything. Well, and I figured out, at least I think I figured out, is that, and I'll be interested in your thought, but I think I figured out, Pardon me. That there's been such craziness, like with Maxine Waters and the other stuff, that they want to detract from her threats and craziness and say how crazy Christians are. And I thought, my gosh, because I couldn't believe it. I sat there with my mouth open listening. I thought, what's that got to do with anything? And that really, if you want to know the truth, it made me mad on behalf of Christians. So the author of the book... Uh, actually had that point of view yes. that Christians oh, are... Absolutely. He was explaining the, to the George. The big problem yes. that we have is that these evangelical Christians and their yes. conservative, uh, you know, the God's Word and And, and Jesus they actually and, think that Trump is a, a modern manifestation of Cyrus from the Bible that yeah. reestablished... Uh, the people of Israel. The people in, of Israel, yeah. Uh-huh. Now, and, that's a curious... Don't well, you think that's a kind of a curious uh, consideration? Because... Uh, you're seeing Cyrus's way of reconstituting and reestablishing and reinvigorating Judaism, uh-huh. as a, and now they're saying he's a, yes. a, a, that same thing. He's doing that for evangelical Christianity. Yes, Is that uh, the idea? Yeah. Is it a Jewish author? No, no, no. In fact, this was. A, <laughs> I thank you for being very adamant and quick about that. No, no, no absolutely not. In fact, I, the guy was clearly uh, hostile towards Jews and, but mm-hmm. especially okay. as a special target was Christians. Uh-huh. And basically how silly and radical they are. And Stephanos at one point says something like, so they actually think this? And the author says, yes, they actually think that this Trump is Cyrus and he's reestablishing Israel. And the whole idea is how crazy they are. And I started thinking, this was a totally staged mm, attack. You, no doubt about it. This is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, uh, I'm wondering if he himself, did, does the author himself claim to be that he is a Christian, that he's no. from one of these liberal, he's no. totally, totally. Now he's writing it from an ob- what he calls an objective point of view and criticizing the crazy Christians. Okay. so he, and, and, I, and I realized they have nowhere to go because what's been going on, like with Maxine Waters. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that is so crazy. They don't have anything to do but say, "Oh yeah, but look at you." That would be yeah. That, that's usually what happens. Yeah. You, you say, "Well, look what you got," and they they pick out maybe the most extreme or the even even erroneous teaching, and they would make it. Uh, well, that that is. I know I didn't see that, but that that would not surprise me. I think another thing we would probably be soon to see would would not only be that to try to undermine the integrity and the uh, you know cast aspersion upon you know kind of 
kind of equate Christ, Christians as the lunacy on the right is so that just as Maxine and all those groups sure. are the lunacy on the left. That's part of it. And the other part too is that there, there is a there is a res, residual belief. There was a strong residual belief and trust in the God of the Bible in this country still, mm-hmm. even though many have moved away from it and and so on uh, for all the, a lot of different reasons and social reasons all that. Still, though, there relies in the culture at large. There is this there is this residual respect for. Uh, that that old book, the Bible, and 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 you know, genuine, true, of uh, you know, Billy Graham, a Billy Graham type faith and, and understanding. Right. There's still a lot of, and they somehow they have got to undermine that. You've got to, right. you've got to somehow or other uh, um, demean it. You've got to somehow. Uh, uh, undermine its, it, it, the reliability of it, and so on. So you'll see a lot of attacks. I think something like that in, in the near future. I myself personally, I don't think of. I, I've never really heard anyone thinking of of. Uh, and, and you know, I, look, I'm not the centerpiece of evangelical Christian America, but I've been around a long time, and, and Campus Crusades and Ministry is involved with many, many churches, and so on. Here in San Antonio, we're touching base with. I I don't I mean I I can't claim to be a mouthpiece and a, a, a genuine understanding of what's going on, but I think that I I don't I don't think that's a good analysis of what's happening. You know, actually, with, with uh, evangelical Christians, I think there's a, there is a respect and so on. I don't I don't I've never heard the thing about. Cyrus. I don't think I've ever well, heard Well, actually, that. believe it or not, I have okay. heard that. I, it seemed like I did hear you mention yeah. it one time. And, uh, and there is some thought because Cyrus in the Bible had, did help reestablish Jerusalem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, Trump has done this. Now, yeah. that's been the law in America for decades, but no president had the guts to do it. I wonder if this author of this book would be someone who's very anti-Jewish, anti-Israel, and kind of more of the... Uh, Palestinian or the, the that's I wonder if he had, what is his bent what is his uh, what, well, what is the way uh, that I really I I'd never uh-huh. heard of the book before uh-huh. it's not on the bestseller no. list and I, I could see if they had somebody like Dan Brown and Angels and Demons somebody that's top the list yeah but I never even heard of this guy they reached down deep yeah, to you. <laughs> yeah they did they went, you know it's like it's like uh, who was that? Will Rogers with the rope, you say? Yeah. When we got involved in, in Vietnam, I guess Will Rogers Jr., he said, you know, when you go 10,000 miles looking for a war, you got to be looking. <laughs> you got to really want to find one. Yeah, well, so that's the, what they the, did with the, this I, guy. I have seen Trump more like Jehu. Remember the Jehu yeah. that, that came in and he just, when Ahab and Jezebel were kind of really wreaking havoc on the people of Israel, both the Israel and the North. You want some goose pimples? And, you want some goose pimples? What's that? Oh, okay. Those are little bumps that occur. Uh-huh, when you I do get know those. those huh? oh, okay. Oh, I, I thought you didn't know those. Like the I, don't call them, I just call them goose bumps. Oh, goose. Okay. The, the, goose bumps. You want some yeah. goose bumps? Okay. Okay. Because that's like the movie Airplane. You know, don't call me Shirley. Uh-huh. But uh, so here's something interesting. You're familiar with the years of Jubilee and the Shemitah and all that in the Bible. I think so. Okay. Well, in 1917 was a Jubilee year or a Shemitah year. Uh-huh. 
Well, that's when... Uh, is this Shemitah year the, fi- the 49th or the 50th year? Is the, that- it'd be the 50th year. The year, uh-huh. okay. Now, so what happens is, is the, uh, that's when the Balfour uh, Declaration came out of the United Nations establishing that there'd be Israel. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1967 was, again, another 50 years later, another mm-hmm. uh, Shemitah or Jubilee year. Uh-huh. Well, that's when uh, Israel... They had been established in 1948, but in 67 is when they actually took the physical location, the land of Jerusalem back. Wasn't that a war of 67? 67 war, Uh huh? Now, when Trump announced that he was, America is going to recognize. 17. Yes, so it's another 50 years. So again, it was a Jubilee year. Now, this is where the goosebumps are going to come. (laughs) Uh, I've got pre-goosebumps right okay, now. Okay, well, this is going to put a little frosting out. Okay. Actually, what it says uh, in, the, in the Bible, it says, and get this word. It actually says it. I'm not making it up. Okay. Maybe it's a coincidence, but I'm not making it up. In the Bible, it actually says, you will regain Jerusalem in the eyes of the world when the trump sounds. Now, what are the chances of that? I mean, it actually says this. Oh, my goodness. I know. And so, I mean, it's easy to put that together and say, hey, what's a trump? Yeah, 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 yeah. But well, that that's fun? interesting. Yeah. But I, did, I actually have thought of Trump more as that. Uh, I don't know if our, re- our listeners here know. Remember who Jehu is? Uh, Ahab and Jezebel were wreaking havoc. There was a lot of confusion. Uh, uh, Hezekiah, not Hezekiah. Um, was it Hezekiah? His son Jotham, and he encouraged the marriage with uh, Athaliah, Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. In other words, things were really getting messed up, and and Ahab and Jezebel and their you know their 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 their, 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 their idol worship and sure. their false gods and so on. Uh-huh. They were really really uh, on the brink of really messing up Israel and, and and destroying the 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 royal lineage. You know, except for this young king Joash that was saved right, yeah. from the slaughter and all that sort of thing. You got this huge mess. And out of this, uh, Elijah tells Elijah goes fleeing down to Sinai, and God tells him to do three things: go announce the new head, the new king of uh, Syria, for one; mm-hmm. uh, go uh, anoint Elisha as your successor, and go have anoint Jehu as the new king of uh, of, of of Judah. Right. Yes. And so, and he said, but when you go and and, uh, anoint Jehu, make sure you just tell him. Well, he sent someone, a disciple, to go do that, a younger uh, priest uh, or prophet. He said, but when you do it, you anoint him, you say the prayer, you do the thing, and then you, you get out of Dodge. Run for your life because Jehu was evidently this wild kind of, kind of a undisciplined kind of a Trump type person. He doesn't know the way. He doesn't do things right. He just takes the bull by the horns and just does things and kind of abrupt. He said, "Now you get out of there quickly because no telling what he'll do." Uh, and, and the guy did that. He he uh, he anoints uh, Jay. And by the way, that's where we get. Remember. Um, the guy who wrote uh, uh, um, he wrote the book about the guy who gets uh, uh, t- uh, Swift. Jonathan Swift wrote uh-huh. the book about the big guy. Oh, John, uh, uh, Gulliver. Gulliver's travels, and he gets he gets taken in in, in uh, and and he gets the Lilliputians. 
A little, but no, they were Yahoos, weren't they? Yes, they were. That was in one group was Yahoos. Yeah. And I think that's where they get the word. Well, he was the guy, it. Jonathan Swift, that wrote it, was a, a preacher. You know? Okay, and I think the Yahoos is where they got yeah. that, that idea. Kind of wild, out of control type yeah. people. Well, I, I kind of seen Trump a little bit that. Kind of cleaning house, right. you know, draining the swamp, kind of wreaking havoc. He's not very subtle and he's not very uh, diplomatic in his ways. Not, not a politician. He's not from the entire. He's from outside the uh, circles, and uh, I would say I would say Jehu would be closer to the biblical image than uh, than Cyrus. But anyway, that's just uh, well, that's, uh, that's kind of that is a, a thought going around. <laughs> and this guy, for whatever reason, has written this book about that. And they had him on there talking about that, and I thought. Hmm. Why? This is like, uh, this was to be talking about news. Because it fits their narrative. This is what yeah. they've got to do. And, 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 uh, and of course, this guy, I, who did you say was, whose program was that it? That was Stephanopoulos. Yes, of course, former uh, uh, press Press uh, former press secretary for Bill Clinton. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that, that was an unbiased, un. un um. <laughs> well, I can see why. Right. <laughs> but I will tell you what's fascinating is in that vein, uh-huh. I may, one of the books we're supposed to be looking at tonight is Job. Yes, indeed. Now, Job, as it's well, a, fairly well conceded among all Jewish and Christian scholars, is probably the oldest book in the Bible. Now, I know that Genesis tells the beginning story, but if I were to write a story about the Old West today, I'm living today, but I'm just telling a story. Mm-hmm. So actually, as, as we understand it, Moses received the book of Genesis when he was on Mount Sinai in Exodus. So that's God was dictating it to him. So that's how we got the whole story. And so what the purpose of Genesis is, is to tell us that in the beginning of the world, the whole world knew there was just one God. And so when people start talking about Gilgamesh and all these other things, the, it, the Genesis doesn't deny that. It's going back and telling the story that originally there was one God. But when people began spreading out over the earth, mm-hmm. they began developing their own religions and own yes, gods. exactly. So sure, you're going to get this Gilgamesh and Babylon and all the rest of it. So that's not an issue. But this is what's most remarkable to me in the book of Job, because I really like the book of Job. In the book of Job, if it's the oldest written book, and I think it's conceded that it is, the God's holy name is in the book. yod Vave, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Adonai, Hashem, whatever you want to say. But his name is in the book. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's there. It's only it's mentioned in chapter 12. And it's also mentioned in the very last chapter. So what's interesting, if his name's there, and it came before, and they supposedly didn't learn it till Exodus, how did they have his name? You see? Because yeah, it says, well, they've good. never known me as yod heh vav uh, and but the truth is that's what it says. Well, it says they didn't know me as that. But and here we have the oldest book in the Bible where his name's actually appearing. So there's something incongruent about the logic of the books being made up by the critics, the mm-hmm, biblical critics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's just something wrong with that because there's his name. It's a 
An amazing book, though. So let's let's try to spend some really good time in it today. Uh, we laid the foundation last week in our last segment. We talked about those early chapters, the story of you know the angels of God you know, meeting before God, coming and, and Satan be among them, and God bragging. The whole book starts with God bragging on His servant Job, which is a remarkable concept in and of itself. Yeah, and yeah. then and then Satan says, "Well, he's only that way because you uh, give him everything he wants. You bless him." And and God allows his faith to be tested and tried. Uh-huh. He says, you don't take his life, but you can take away possession. And what happens? He loses his possessions, loses his family, loses his health. And still, and, and the idea is that Jacob remains faithful. Yes, he suffers. Yes, he's hurting. Job. But Job. What did I say, Jacob? Yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. Job remains faithful. Uh, he he. He continues, uh, though he slay me, that yet will I worship him. I will, oh, well, I that's him. one of my verses I want to talk about. Oh, good. Because well, that there's more to that verse. Okay. But I know that really next week we're supposed to finish the last three, four chapters of Job. Mm-hmm. But if I could for a minor second divulge into those last chapters, I would like to present something that should be kept in mind as we go back through the earlier chapters of Job because there's something that's essential. And if you know what's in the last chapters as you go through the book of job you'll begin to understand otherwise you're lost as you're going through it the same thing happens about the early chapters if you don't know the early chapters what's the setting you know the angel and uh, what we learn in the early chapters is we learn we learn the we learn the facts because the whole point of the the discussion in in the mid chapters is that you've got these three friends saying you're a sinner job you're you're sinned against god and there are various reasons they think that and and god is punishing you or this or that or the other and job keeps denying said no i know my heart i'm not i have and, and what we know from the very beginning is He's right. Well, he we know because sinned. God yeah. says he's God right. says yeah. so. So we, we know the picture ahead of time, and you need to re- under, keep that understanding in mind as we're, we're looking at the debate. And you're going to introduce us to something we learn at the end yeah. that we should have in mind and know, even as as we start considering the, yes. the debate. And, and it'll help us understand I it more clearly. I think so, because I know that there's even a book out there called Purpose Driven Life. There was mm-hmm. a big seller mm-hmm. a long time ago. And I actually sat through a class with a group of Christians. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of monitors there, uh, proctors of the class. And they mm-hmm. went through the entire book. I went through the book. And I noticed in that book they quote the three friends mm-hmm. many times mm-hmm. uh, in Job. And I, and I pointed out in that class, I said, well, something's wrong because we're quoting guys that God himself said are wrong. Because <laughs> that's what I want to point out, that we're going to, if we can just momentarily look at these verses, at the end, God says those three friends are wrong. Yes. Okay. It's kind of like we're, we're going to cheat a little bit. We're going to go look at the answers yes. of the crossword puzzle yes. and then go back and work the crossword Yeah, exactly so. <laughs> but I think it helps with the understanding. All right. That, I think you're exactly and right. I know we're getting pretty close Important. to a break. Are we on a break? Not yet. I don't believe we are. Are, are we? Uh, no, I think it's there. It is. That's pretty close. You're a prophet. It came true. Yeah. Just as you were saying yeah. it, and no, many people think I'm a lost. No sooner I'm... did you, <laughs> no sooner did you say it that it came true. Yeah. I mean, you you, uh, you passed the test, Jacob. Well, anyway, there is our music. Our first segment has gone by, we're, but we're going to come back and get right into the Book of Job. We're going to look at these last chapters that Jacob has mentioned and look at this. 
some truth that God, conclusion of God that God comes to about uh, Job and what's going on. And then we'll come back and consider these arguments, these long series of arguments about suffering and about the role of suffering in our lives today. And uh, some very, very deep truths that we'll look at from the book of Job tonight here on The Bible Live. And we'll be right back. Don't go away. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. May our lives cause others to ask the reason we have hope. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by David McCaslin. David writes, while staying at a hotel in Austin, Texas, I noticed a card lying on the desk in my room. It said, welcome. Our prayer is that your stay here will be restful and that your travels will be fruitful. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. This card from the company that manages the hotel made me want to know more. So I accessed their website and read about their culture, strength, and values. In a winsome way, they seek to pursue excellence and live out their faith in the workplace. Their philosophy reminded me of Peter's words to the followers of Jesus scattered throughout Asia Minor. He encouraged them to demonstrate their faith in Christ and the society where they lived. Even as they faced threats and persecution, Peter told them not to be afraid. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. A friend of mine calls this living a lifestyle that demands an explanation. No matter where we live or work, may we in God's strength live out our faith today. Always ready to reply gently and respectfully to everyone who asks the reason for our hope. Sometimes we need a little extra motivation to spend time in God's Word each day. And now it couldn't be easier with Our Daily Bread. Download the mobile app for your Apple or Android device at getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. AM 630, the Word. Faith comes through hearing. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Jay-Z and Beyonce have had some tumultuous experiences over the last few years, which was all chronicled on their past respective albums. But the Carters' first album together, Everything is Love, has still more to say about their personal lives. On the positive side, despite serious issues, including infidelity, this couple 
admirably fights for their marriage instead of fighting against each other in their songs. And for that tenacity and commitment to their union, they deserve credit. With this album, Jay-Z and Beyonce have some profound things to say, but there's also lots of profane and vulgar things here, too. So I'll give Everything is Love a 2 out of 5 for family friendliness. For more, check out PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Welcome back, everyone. We just finished the book of Second Corinthians, which one of the key verses, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And so uh, we want to wish a wonderful Fourth of July celebration to you and yours this coming uh, just a few days from now, July 4th. Uh, I hope this is generally a heartfelt, not just a day off to you know, grill hamburgers and take a day off and rest, but, but to really thank God and pray for our nation. And I, it seems to me... God may be answering so many of our prayers over so many decades for renewal and revival and refreshing and, and restoration uh, and healing for our land. So let's not let uh, let's not be weary and well doing. It seems like God might be doing some things and maybe helping to turn back and turn uh, away in turn, some of our practices as a nation. Uh, pray for this new generation of Americans, a younger generation that that there seem to be so many. That are looking back with hope and with with uh, longing toward that, that those days of godliness and righteousness and uh, high respect for life and so on. So we're let's keep that in mind this Fourth of July. Not only to have a great time with our family and all, but to really. Um, really pray for our nation, that God would bless America, and that America in its turn would turn and bless the true and living God, the God of the Scriptures. Well, we are back. We're going to be talking about the uh, book of Job. Uh, I, I've mentioned last week and a little bit tonight the, 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 the mm, what we call the what do you call the part of the book that's in the beginning, the pro, the, the, pro, the prologue? Or? The prologue. We've looked at that and the setup of the stage of, of what is happening and how God uh, is now allowing Job some things to happen in his life. His, 
He loses his wealth, possessions. He loses his family, loses his health. And, and then we're going to get meet these friends and start talking to him about how to interpret these things. You're a sinner and you're being punished and, and so on and so on. And, and we'll get through those arguments. But Jacob is saying there's something in the last chapters as well that we need to be aware of. So yeah. that we can have it in mind as we consider these these arguments and this right. discussion. And the reason I say that is, and I realize I'm just, we're going to finish next week, but just to touch on this, mm-hmm. uh, it's because if we know what I'm going to look at here in a second, what then we know all the things that are being said by the so-called three friends are incorrect. And they, they're saying, but everybody's a sinner. One of the guys, is, his theme is, well, you know, you just got to understand and just trust God, you know. And another theme is uh, you just got to see the whole big picture, and you're a human. You can't see the whole big picture. Uh-huh. So if those are all the things they're saying, like you really are a sinner, uh-huh. then what about... Why is God coming along at the end and saying what I'm going to read? Listen to this. In chapter 42, the last chapter of Job, in verse um, uh, first, the first one through six, Job kind of repents. He says, if I've done something wrong, um, I would like to repent from it. I know you can do all things. Then in verse 7, and I, I'm taking it from the translation from the Hebrew, so it might mm-hmm. be somewhat different. Then, after God had spoken these words to Job, because Job uh, repented, Mm -hmm. God said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I am so angry at you and your two companions, which is Bildad and Zophar, Zophar. because you did not speak correctly on my behalf, as did my servant Job. So we're learning that these guys that seem to make arguments that we could all agree with as we go through the book of Job, God himself saying, I never said that. In fact, it goes on to say, now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a a burnt offering for yourselves and Job, my servant. He will pray for you, but not for my vilifying you, will only to go to show him favor, because you did not speak correctly on my behalf, as did Job. So whatever these arguments are, as we're reading this, we should keep in mind that God himself is appearing at the end and said, I never said that. You're making that up. So these arguments that seem to make sense to us as we're going through, I think we've got to pause and say, well, wait a minute. we got God saying these things are not. So if we know that's coming, then as we go through these and it starts making logical sense to us, we say, wait a minute, this is what I think. So what I think may not be right. Exactly. exactly. And frankly, what we have here is a battle of worldviews. There's, there's, there's a biblical worldview of what is happening in our world and what, what God is doing. God has created humanity for, to, to out of the human race to draw out a people for himself. And, and, and so on. And the place we dwell in the world now where good and evil coexist. And when you become a believer, it doesn't mean all of a sudden all your troubles are over and you never have any more problems, you never have any difficulties, and you never fail anymore. And so we 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 try to understand. Many people have, you know, they why why you know when I, when we lose a loved one or when bad things happen to good people, we say why did why did God allow that? And and what we're seeing here is this: God is establishing and clarifying the the 
the view, the worldview, the correct way to understand what's going on is uh, that we live in a world where good and evil coexist, and right. and good people are going to fail at times and make big mistakes. Bad people sometimes are going to be prospering and have yep. success, mm-hmm. and, and there's not a one to one correlation correlation correlation. In this, in our life, in our time of life, well, this isn't. It might be Iowa, but it's not heaven yet. You know, uh, we're it, we're not uh, in heaven. So it's uh, chess. It is not checkers. Yes, and and so we're going to be talking about how does suffering and failure and sin, yeah. how does that fit into the plan yeah. of God in the reality in the time in which we live? And these guys have their theories that you know it's a one to one correlation. You, you, if you sin, make a sin, God's going to punish you. You're going to have a a sin. So. Uh, and, and the idea is, if well, if you're a good, godly man, you're going to be rich and healthy. It's it's the prosperity gospel uh, uh, that they're trying to preach. That if you're if you're uh, if you're a believer in God and right with God, everything's going to go right. You'll never be sick. You're not. You're going to be wealthy and have money, and everything's going to be blessed. And that is not the way it's going to function. Remember the uh, the the one true and living, the Holy One of Israel, the the man who lived the perfect life of faith and trust and obedience to the Father. He took it on the chin. He was nailed to a cross at a very young life. He suffered greatly. So we've got to get the picture here, and then that is what is being debated in these chapters. That, let's get that come let's, up now. a little grasp real quick about who are these three okay. friends. Eliphaz, mm-hmm. Zophar, and Bildad, of course, Bildad. the shortest uh-huh. shortest man in the Bible. I, I can't go <laughs> without saying he's a Shuhite. I can't. Yeah, he's Bildad the Shuhite. I can't go without saying that. So that joke is aside now. Okay. Order you over. Let's talk about these guys because I have never really heard anyone well, identify them. There are certain clues in the book of Job that tells us basically when it was written uh-huh. because of who people are. Because we know Eliphaz, he's called the Temanite. Uh-huh. But he is actually, Eliphaz is actually one of the children of Esau. All right. So we know that. Now, Bildad, the Shuhite, uh, is. Um, is also we all all we know for sure is that there's an area that was in that part of the world called Shu, Shunan Shuhite. Mm-hmm. That's make me Shuhite, and uh, Jewish. Shunan, un- yeah, I remember reading. Okay. So I've, I've our read understanding place. is is that he was one of the children of one of the sons of Esau. So we got these uh, son and like a grandson perhaps, and then we got Zophar, Namanite. Namanite or whatever, yes, okay. And so, now, so all these fellows today that are... Namathite, yeah. Namathite, okay. Okay, Namathite. (laughs) Okay, I'll name it Thite right now. Uh, But but the point is, is that all these guys are coming from their point of religious view, and they're all saying something. So that gives us an idea who these people are. It also tells us about the time the story may have been put together. Because that means that there have to be somebody around that would know this. I don't think it's prophecy that he's going to have these guys. They actually show up. So we, so the Jews throughout the centuries have been able to kind of piece this together. So it would have had to have been after Esau, of course. Uh-huh. And they, most the most respected opinions, who I tend to agree with, is that uh, that it took place during the time of Jacob. Because Jacob would have known these other people. And so, and perhaps even when they had to go down to Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, 
Now, and what's interesting is God's name in Hebrew actually appears here, as I was saying. So we know that they knew the name. And yet we're told somehow in chapter 3 of, uh, I think it's chapter 3 of Exodus, that they did not know me by this name. Well, not know me by the name doesn't mean that they didn't know the name. It means they didn't see how I act by Mm -hmm. that name. Mm -hmm. Now, in the old Hebrew, when you use the word Elohim, that means... Like a God of justice, a judge, authority, a creator. Mm-hmm. But when you use the name yod heh or like Adonai perhaps, that's the name of mercy. So you've got these two things going on. The very first time it occurs in Genesis is in chapter 2. And it says both Elohim and yod heh or Adonai, the Lord in English. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have he's God of justice and the God of mercy. So it's all occurring. So this is all. And so he's saying, well, I, you're gonna, they're going to know me as the God of mercy. They knew me as the creator before. And then he tells the whole story. That's so interesting. Uh, because in, in theology school, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. When, you, when you're learning, uh, you know, seminary and so on, they, they talk about these true these two competing, con- almost contradictory aspects of the character of God. One is his love and his mercy, uh-huh. and the other is his justice right. and his holiness and his righteousness. Uh-huh. And each one of those are fully expressed in God. And yet, uh-huh. when it comes down to it, uh, when it came to humanity, yes. God... In some ways, uh-huh. I, I, I know I'm speaking as a human level here, but okay. he finds himself in a quandary. He's got these two competing opposite uh, characteristics that have to be satisfied. Right. Both of them have to. He can't, uh, you know, he, he loves right. He loves us. He right. cares about us greatly, wants the best for us. And on the other hand, there is his holiness and his justice and his righteousness that, that must Indeed, judge uh-huh. sin must have a consequence. It the does. soul, the soul that sins, it should die. That without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The, you know, the wages of sin is death. So you have these two competing, uh, and yet what we see in the redemptive plan of God, and, and what we, we see in, in uh, the, the, the death of a Messiah on our behalf, the idea is that substitutionary atonement, which forms the basis of God's redemptive plan, is it is it's a satisfaction of both of those characteristics. Uh, you, you would think of justice and holiness, uh, God's love on one hand, and God's justice and holiness that is parallel to each other. They never cross. They well, never if you intersect. look at chapter one of Genesis, uh-huh. when He's creating everything, the name Elohim is the only name used. Okay, but when you go to chapter two, and He's going to start creating humans for the first time in the same sentence, Elohim and Lord uh, appear. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So He's going to be merciful with human beings. Yes. The, the, so you see that that both there's got to be this this resolution between uh, this seeming contradiction between his his love and his just command and his justice and his uh this righteous demands mm-hmm. of judging sin and we see both of those satisfied in the uh, substitutionary atonement, his his wrath, his judgment is poured out. Sin is judged, and, and and the consequences of sin are seen. And yet, it's at the same time the greatest expression of his love because it's done on behalf of others. So it's it's an amazing thing, and, and maybe that's what's up for grabs here. In this, would you argument. like an idea of who the sages uh, historically think Job was? Yeah, they believe. 
uh, and they have those clues they find in the text. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they go by the Hebrew, of course. But um, there's, they believe he may have been the son, one of the children, the son of Nahor, the brother of Abraham. Ah, That's how he knows a lot of this stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, but I do want to tell you, I know you got a, a, some calls. Yeah, we do. We you do. have a let's, friend on, uh, on hold, I think. Okay, let's go get Rich. Rich is on the line, and I know he's wanting to sound off a little bit on this, the book of Job and some of these issues perhaps, so we'll we'll get to him now. How Rich, how are you? Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jacob. Hey. hey uh, I, don't, I didn't want to take you away from uh, Job, but... Uh, I've had a question for the last week. I was listening to a uh, another uh, uh, religious uh, broadcaster, and uh, he made this statement. This this uh, got me uh, that uh, Jesus Christ was the son of David. I'm not done now, uh, and I heard that, and I know I heard it correctly. It, but yet in the Bible it says, "This is my son, who I am well pleased with." Uh, well, what is what is the true story here? Uh, you're both right. <laughs> I, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is right. Yes. Well, uh, 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 you have. Oh, this is something beautiful about the person of Jesus. That, that's why they talk about him as the God man, that that God, the word, be, the word was eternal. The word, the eternal son of God, in that sense, uh, the son of God. And on the other hand, he took on flesh, stepped into the world so that he could become in, in all, in every way, a human being. So there was a, 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 a there was another strong truth that Jesus, from the time he was a little fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he died on that cross, he was a human being. Uh, and, of course, from the lineage of, of Mary and you know Joseph and so on, uh, his earthly parents. And so there was a sense in which he was the son of David, as as was pro- fulfilling the requirements in the in the Hebrew scriptures that uh, out of David's descendants, out of his lineage would come a king that would rule righteously and rule forever, whose kingdom would be forever. And so that's that's the, okay. It was now understood that on that level he would be a son of David. Of course, we understand he well, never well, seems to be offer the son of God. An, an additional thought? Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Rich, do you do you? I, I'm taking it that you actually own a Bible, right? Uh, I'm not, I have it in front of me right now, but I'm I not reading just it. I just felt that. <laughs> uh, anyway, but there is a difference because if you look in the Book of Kings, actually it's in Samuel, then Kings. I can't tell you the address because I don't have it in front of me, but it does give the definition. And it says to David, and then David tells Solomon that you will be my son and a son of God if you obey God, the commandments of Moses. So in the Christian thought, Jesus, of course, would have been uh, from God, a, a, a spiritual birth between uh, God and Mary. I understand that's the Christian belief, and that's fine. But as for David, the only promise that was made to David is his children must obey the commandments of Moses. It actually says that twice. It says God says it to David. David passes it on to Solomon. Now, what that means is when you go down through all the kings and the book of kings and all that and the uh, Tanakh, the Old Testament, and even in the genealogies of Jesus, you'll find this. There are okay. more 
than that are listed. Because you may be a physical descendant in the line of kingship of David, but you will not be his son nor the son of God unless you're also the physical descendant and obey the commandments of Moses. Then you're both king and a son of David. How about son that? of God, son, son of, of David. Yeah. Yes, at the same time. In other okay. words, there's a spiritual dimension, and then there's the, the, physical. the biological, physical dimension. I think that's the short answer for both of us that yeah. we're kind of pointing out. I, I pretty well got it now. All right. Thanks, Rich. All right. Glad you called, friend. Good to hear from you. Hope you have a wonderful 4th of July, you and your family. Uh, you can give us a call as well if you'd like, 340-9585, 340-9585. That's our, Would you like our to know what my, my favorite verse of Job is? Um, yes, I would. Okay. I would almost like to guess at it, but I'm going to... Please, no, go guess. Is it the one that says, well, we said a while ago, though he slay me, yet will I serve him, But uh, and you liked it, but... Uh, well, we're going to get to favorite. that, but there's a, there's an addition to that verse. If a man Nobody... dies, shall he live again? I know that my Redeemer lives and that he stands, uh, and that in the, he will stand I, on the earth I, in the uh, latter day. Okay, Maybe well, that one. The, no, that's yours, but okay. that's uh, <laughs> but that's an honest mistake that you identified yours as mine. <laughs> But uh, but <laughs> but mine is Job nineteen twenty two. Well, that's not far from my nineteen twenty five. I think. No, uh, you're pretty darn close. Yeah, so let's uh-huh. see if I can find it. You're almost right. Then, in other words, yeah. is what I'm trying that's to say. That's what I'm saying. I'm almost right that I got yours right. That it wasn't. That's supposed to be mine. But listen to this. This uh-huh. is wonderful. After all three of these guys, now he comes along. You know, his wife says. And see, Satan. Oh, boy, this yeah, is funny. His wife I'm not comes, funny, but. Yeah, I know. But his, his wife comes along. She says, geez, look at you. We lost our property, our wealth, our money, our bank account. Our kids are dead. And look at you. You got boils. Just curse God and die. So Satan can work with anything. He can use the good to get to you or he can use the bad. Because actually she's expressing a sympathetic thing. You know, I, I feel sorry for you. I can't stand to see you suffer no more, honey. Just die. And but she says, Blasphemy God. <laughs> she says she says, Blasphemy God and die. Well God and obviously whatever Job does in the Curse entire book of Job, he does not die. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's not blaspheming God. Mm-hmm. So but what it says is so his friends are telling him all this bad stuff about him. Well what he finally sums up in nineteen twenty two, he says, uh He's talking to his friends, and he says, Why are you pursuing me and prosecuting me like God? Aren't you satisfied with my flesh? In other words, he's got terrible things that's been done to him. And instead of uplifting him, consoling him, comforting him, they're coming and saying, Boy, don't you look bad. You're miserable. You should see how bad you look. You're a really bad guy. You're a mess. Yeah, so there's actually, he says, Aren't you guys satisfied? Something done to me? Isn't that enough? Must you also take my hope and my spirit and crush me? And that's what I like because, I mean, that's really what people do. It's like walking in the hospital and guys all bust up and say, Man, you are never going to recover. You look bad. You look terrible. (laughs) So. And I really like that because it's like saying, you know, all this bad stuff. And Job is saying, aren't you guys satisfied with what's been done to me? Do you also have to crush my spirit? 
Yeah. Well, there's another, some more principles we can take from the book of Job about, uh, I mean, these are supposedly three friends who come and sit with him in silence for right, several right, days yeah, huh? before they even say anything sure. to him. And then they begin to talk. And the idea is to comfort him and encourage him and to lift up. A, and yet it seems like everything they're doing is just kind of really just knocking him down further. And, and, and you notice, as we deeper, talked about, you know? in the end, God criticizes these three. But at the beginning, you know, Satan comes among these sons of God, uh-huh. and he's having this conversation. Now, here is the interesting question. At the end, when God tells these three guys, I never said that. You made that stuff up about me. Ask Job to pray for you. Well, where is God's criticism of Satan? It's not there. Hmm. So whatever Satan is doing, it must by imply implicitly, must be what God wanted to happen. Right. Now, I know there's a, there's a little tension between the Christian idea of Satan and, uh, and the Jewish idea of Satan. But the result is the same because both Jewish and Christian think that Satan is supposed to be a tempter, an insider, a, a uh-huh. person to cause you to sin. And he serves only at the pleasure of the right. king, of God and he himself. he has to ask God for permission. And his power is limited yeah. only by what only, God allows right. him to do. Uh-huh. Right. So, but nowhere... In there, does Satan get chastised? But these three guys do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, what happens is you end up with uh, Satan being told uh, whatever he's doing, he seems to be doing correctly, but he's doing horrible things to poor Job. Um, I see John hopping around. John, are we supposed to stop right mm-hmm. now? No, oh, okay. no. He just okay. hopping around. That's his habit. Is but to... you know. Um, Let's do this. Yes. If you don't mind, read yeah. your verse 22 uh-huh. and read on down through 25. Would yeah, you? Let's sure, put you them better, together. Huh? 22. Why do you pursue me like God? Are you not satisfied? Do you not get enough from my flesh? If only my words are written down, if only they were inscribed in a book, let them be engraved in a stone forever. With an iron stylus and lead, I know my Redeemer lives and that I will be the last on earth to exist and see him. There you go. See, that's my favorite. I, I know sure. my Redeemer it all, lives. It all yeah. kind of, it so also, both, yeah, we were close. We were in the ballpark uh, there together. Now, so. what's interesting is you quoted the other verse about, um, about the, um, um, the, um, what was the verse you quoted about the, uh, uh, though I, he slay me, I'll trust me yet him. Will I serve him? Yeah. yeah, I'll trust him. Okay. Trust him. Yeah. Yet, yet will I trust him. Yeah. yeah. That's in chapter. Though he slay me. Yet that's will in I chapter trust him. 13. Well, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Well, it is, especially with the rest of it. Are you going to say something? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's save it. We'll get right to it when we come back. Sure, all right. There's something else going on and with that particular passage. Folks, Nobody quotes in, the second part. Deep into the book of Job as we continue forward. Stay with us. Give us a call if you'd like. If you'd like to pitch in and share something maybe that's been meaningful to you from this great book, oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job. 340-9585. That's our call in line with, of course, the area code 210. So don't hesitate to give us a call if you'd like. We'll be back in just a moment. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Oh, the right to 
looking for finding myself pounding on a locked door I try to make it out alone without your help but I know I never win this war I can never be never be free Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Hello there, everybody. We're here. Soapy ran out to get something. He'll be right back. But in the meantime, you're all going to enjoy a verse. Soapy uh, Welcome said. Welcome back to the Bible Live quiz show. Oh. Was I Wait, to welcome say back that, to the Bible Live Quiz Show. This is your faithful producer, uh, John. Are you faithful? Nothing worse than betrayal. Nothing worse than betrayal. I try to be faithful. All right. Well, Sophie was talking about that one verse, about uh, though you slay me, I will trust in you. Let's take a look at the whole verse. Okay? Okay, John? Though sure, why not? Though he slay me, I will place my faith in him, my trust in him. Just let me defend my ways before him, for he is my salvation. And from the Hebrew it says, no flatterer can come into his presence. Hear my words well, and let my speech enter your ears. Behold, I have arranged my case. I know that I will be found right. Who dares quarrel with me? For I am silent, and I would perish. Now, what he's saying is, is that though he slay me, I'll trust in him. Why? Because then I'll be right there in front of God, and I'll be able to defend myself with the facts. Now, that, and nobody quotes the rest of that. He's actually saying, uh, though he slay me, I'll trust in him. Because then I'll be there, and I'll, he'll have to face me, and I didn't do anything wrong. And we know that seems to be true because God tells us at the beginning he's a righteous guy. So it says, though he, he will have to face me and I'll defend my ways before him. And I, could, and I think this is a little different in, in the, from the Hebrew, but it says no flatterer can come. That's a chapter 13, Sopi, verse uh, 15, 15, 16. Uh-huh. That, that famous... Yeah, everybody quotes it, but nobody quotes the rest because of what Job is in essence saying is, because then I'll be there and he'll have to face me and I'm innocent. Wow, what a hit, huh? I'm, I'm going to argue my case with him. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, yeah, there's, there's some very, very powerful things. Let's let's get into these three guys, though. What Are there characteristics of their arguments yes. that we want to get down? What, essentially, the... Uh, uh, let, let's take them. Let's say in order. Zophar's idea is that J- the idea that they all have basically is that Job has sinned, yeah. and which, their which, belief which is which that number, God's suffering in some way. Which number are you looking at? Is punishment. We're looking at number seven. Seven. Okay. God, God's uh, his Job's suffering in I some see. way is related to his sin. It's God's punishing him for sin, and, and, and this is a mistake they're making about God and yeah, about so, what God yeah, is so. doing. Yep. How God is working in our world today. Right. So, um, do they have a characteristic? E- each one of them. That, uh, 
I, I know in some ways each of them is at some point is kind of cruel. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it seems to me that it's Zophar is, is the cruelest one. In the end, he comes up and says that, that your children died because of your oh, sin. You were, you isn't were. Isn't that horrible? Yeah, they, and have you not heard in some teachings as, uh, as oh, yeah. ab- abstract and asinine as it says that sometimes God will kill a person to teach somebody else a lesson? And I think, whoo. Where'd you get that concept of God? You know, so. and he even blames, and and that's so, that's so. Here, if their friends are there to comfort him, I think at that point though that so far had become frustrated, yeah. so frustrated with Job that yeah. he wouldn't understand, he wouldn't confess some sin that he didn't commit. Sure. That by that time he would just he just got cruel and he got kind of mean. Well, we but, know for sure. That's why I wanted to touch base at the very end, at the very last chapter. We know that God Himself appears and said, tells these three guys, "I'm angry at you. You've made up things about me I never said." And they're basically, they, their understanding is that God always rewards goodness uh-huh. and punishes sin uh-huh. in this life. Uh-huh. That everything is is going to be accomplished in His life. That uh, that God's primary concern is in this life is that we behave rightly instead of that we grow in intimacy with Him. And so it's a it, it, it's a fine point, and yet the, it it leads them to this uh, this erroneous understanding. Here is a good man. We already know ahead of time that he truly is a good and godly man and yet he's suffering and so we're we're thinking well why is that what and it, on the other hand it does sort of beg the question of, see god allows this in 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 his child job his son job's life god does allow it it isn't it isn't uh, it isn't, you know, the devil made me do it or this or that. It wasn't evil people. God, we see from the early chapters well, that the argument is, sometimes of course, suffering can even have a, That's right. a God accomplishes through suffering and uh, difficulty and trials of life. God accomplishes things in our life that that. That 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 only can be accomplished perhaps through suffering. The New Testament talks well, about that let a lot. Me, this is a little unusual because mm-hmm. it is there what you're saying, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's not a general concept. And the substitutionary atonement mm-hmm. is not something that's really uh, thought of in Judaism. Okay, in Jewish thought. I'm kind of surprised at that. Really, but I'll tell you I, why. But in I am a minute. going to say that you do have something of that nature in the Book of Job. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tell me, tell me. Because, remember, that these three guys are all wrong. They're all pagans. Mm-hmm. Today, and I'm just saying the facts, today they would be what we call Muslims. Uh-huh. And but and what does God say? Everyone, I'm angry at every one of you. You're all wrong. But let Job pray for you, and basically I'll forgive you. And then it says he forgives Job when he prays for them. So they have to be converted, mm-hmm. yes. Now, what's fascinating is one of them's major theme is you are a sinner. The other one is, as you say, everybody, even your kids, get punished because of you. And the other one, of course, is is that you just got to understand the big major plan of God you can't understand. Those are things mm-hmm. which people say today. And yet we're told at the end that God says, I never said that. So that's fascinating. But what happens is Job, because of the stuff that's happening... The other three guys have to make, and they're told by God, 
that they have to make a change in their lives and accept what Job was saying about God. Now, there is another character here. We've already talked that Satan is not criticized. Mm -hmm. But there's another character that's not criticized. Yeah. Yes, the young man Uh who comes in at the very last. uh, They go through three or four rounds of of questioning Job and commenting to Job Mm -hmm. and Job's response to them. And then there's this young fellow, uh, Elihu. 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 Okay. Uh, what the who? <laughs> or and what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. It means uh, he... El, El is about God, right? God, huh? And who is he? He is my God. Oh, okay. okay. But now if I take that name... Now, remember in the Bible, names change based on what you do. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, a letter of God's name gets taken away. Sometimes it gets added. Like uh-huh. Hosea, you put a Y or a J on it, becomes Joshua. Uh-huh. And he's named that by Moses. Right. So let's suppose Elihu, who does not get criticized by God in this, and so we know Elihu, whatever Elihu is saying is right. Now, if I add a, the first letter of God's name... And in, he's a young man, by the way, which is kind of interesting. He's a young man. But if I add the first letter of God's name to Elihu, and since we uh, Hebrew doesn't have a J, we'll, put, we'll call it a J in English, what does the name become? Joshua? No, no. No. Elahu, but put a J in there. Elijah. You got it. (laughs) Kinosapi. Isn't that interesting? Now, there has been some discussion that maybe this is the first appearance of who we're calling Elijah. Because as we know, Elijah becomes a righteous person as he's older. Now, maybe, maybe not. But I, I like the idea because we do know the... It is taught that people kind of change their names by their deeds, by their actions. And we know in the book of Job that Elhu, he is my God. And if we put the J in there, it actually comes out to Yah is my God. So it's actually got a name. So what's fascinating, Elihu is not criticized. And Satan's not criticized. Job is blessed, but he's blessed when his friends come to him and ask for prayers mm-hmm. and Job prays for him. So you can see that in a very real sense the theme of this substitutionary atonement may be there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that has always been a wrinkle because it is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well I thought that was reflected the whole idea of the uh, the uh, sacrifice the sacrifices that were mandated in in the uh, tabernacle and later on in the temple the idea that the lambs the goats and so there was the idea that the the priest would put his hands on the head of the of the penitent man mm-hmm. and then place his hand in a sense symbolically transfer into of sin and that the sin, the judgment of sin falls on the animal. The idea, isn't that the idea of substitutionary uh, atonement? Well, it doesn't. That really isn't, from my understanding, is not substitutionary atonement because the animal's death does not atone for your sin. No, it's it, it's some symbolic of it's it. Symbolic. It's also an illustration uh-huh. of you. What well, the repentance, because remember, even in Isaiah and Jeremiah says, mm-hmm. uh, I don't ask for killing animals, mm-hmm. I want you to repent. Yes. So it's the repentance that becomes the offering. Mm-hmm. And symbolically, you know, like I say, they didn't have the internet, so they had to stand back on the hill and they had to see this animal without blemish. By the way, the word blemish mm-hmm. is the word sin. Mm-hmm. So actually, so they see this animal without a sin. 
you, it gets burnt up. Well, what rises up is the smoke from the animal. In other words, you're going upwards if you don't have a sin or a blemish. So you have repented from sin. But in uh, Yom Kippur, the idea, too, that the, the sin is onto the animal and the, and, and, and the sins that's, are he's chased forgiven out through the... Yeah. I think the idea, that's where we get the idea that Right. The Lamb of God, for example, John sure. the Baptist calls right. Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, but his, his doing his it sacrifice. doesn't, as I understand, and you can correct mm-hmm. me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, but even in that example you're giving, Jesus, Lamb of God, mm-hmm. even in that example, if you don't believe that, if you don't repent, then it's not taking away the sin of you, is it? I mean, is it just because but even if atoning, I don't buy Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like it's it's like his his death, his and and the lamb that's right, slain, right. Yom Kippur, and so on. Okay. The whole idea is that sin will be yes, sin must be judged. You know, it's not just God can just willy nilly say, "Oh, I just forgive you," but there is a consequence of sin. Judgment falls, and that. But he has taken, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Right, that right, is. right. Isn't that the picture of the Old Testament, too, that the, the, the Yom Kippur, the goats, the, the, they take upon themselves the sin of the people and are, are judged? Uh, isn't that, uh, I thought that was, a, that's the idea, at least, that I understand, of substitutionary well, it atonement. Is, but, but, uh, but it also. I thought it was there kind of basically. It, it, it doesn't, be, killing the animal doesn't forgive you of your sin. You have to make the repentance, and, uh, and yes, I understand that. But but the basis of the forgiveness, once you have forgiven, the legal basis is that God's wrath has been, His sin has been judged, and, and His wrath has been poured out, on, 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 and so that the sin is atoned. Uh, there is there is justice has been done, in that the sin has been judged and and, and condemned and judged, but. The idea is substitutionary. It's someone who takes my spanking for me. For example, when I was a kid, that was the way it was explained to me. You're, you know, you deserve a spanking. You've done it. But someone comes and offers. I'll take his punishment. And how did you on, feel on my about behalf. that? I felt wonderful. You go right did ahead. Did you really? I was so grateful. I would feel Thank guilty. You. Thank you so much. Well, uh, uh, tell me how you would feel guilty. <laughs> well, because, I mean, uh, I, I, I just don't feel comfortable somebody else. Uh, taking the fault and the punishment for what I did. I think it's justice that I get punished for what I did, not that I blame an innocent lamb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do want to, I know we got uh, some calls. Sure, I know I gotta, uh-huh. But there's one more verse I really want to jump on. Okay, let's jump on. And it's, it's fascinating because in the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, I think we've agreed, if you look in chapter 26, verse 7, mm-hmm. there is something here that to me is just remarkable. And uh, it says that. Uh, <clears throat> do you do you want to read it? It's a twenty-six, seven and seven and eight. Actually, I'm getting to it as fast as I can. I here. know you are, and I watch those fingers just flying. Here we go. Twenty-six, verse seven. Yeah, seven and eight. Okay, seven. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Yeah. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds, and the clouds don't burst with the weight. Wow. Ooh, that's kind of... So, in other words, mm-hmm. back in Job, they knew the earth. Actually, the word is actually a circle. So they knew the earth was around. 
and they knew it was hanging out in space on nothing. So how is it that everybody thought the earth was flat? Job, the world's book of the Bible, says it's not. It's round, and it's in, out in space on nothing, and it's right there. You know, we ought to show that to the Flat Earth Society of today. Uh, there, yeah. Evidently, there's still a Flat Earth Society. There's some people. My son, Sean, was talking to me about this the other day, that there still are people who really seriously are out there arguing for that, no, it, it's flat. But, okay, there it is, right? right well, and that's always fascinating to me because, and there's other verses like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the earth is round. It's actually says the circle is what it says. So the earth is a circle, and it's hung out in space on nothing? On nothing. And I'm thinking... Isn't that remarkable that the oldest book in the Bible actually says it? I'll tell you one of the things, just as a quick aside, one of the things I always went on a search for when I was trying to see are the mistakes in the Bible, mm-hmm. I began looking at the all the way through for moon and sun. And I found, I and actually it's fascinating, the sun creates light, gives light. The moon only reflects, reflects light. light. Mm-hmm. But how did they know that in the Bible times? That's one of those things I went looking for. The other thing that really made a lot of sense to me was kosher laws. Because I started looking at saying, well, if I can find any animal in the world that's got these other things and it's kosher, then there's something wrong. But the irony is, is that no matter where you go in the world, that system of demarcation, of determining kosher and not kosher, is consistent on all animals throughout the world. Then I thought, Somebody had to know that. <laughs> the, the idea of the cloven hoof yeah. and the, the, the chew the cud and sure. that sort of thing. And, and addressing your other thought about the, uh, you know, look, here's one of the things about Job. We know this, that God made, let's say, Ganidan of the Garden of Eden. Let's say he made heaven. Let's say from the Christian thought he made hell. Mm-hmm. Or an afterlife, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. So he's making good and bad. He made the, you just jogged my memory with this. He makes the cloven hoofed animal. He mm-hmm. makes the one that's not cloven. Mm-hmm. So he The gives, clean and the unclean. That's yeah. right. So he's making clean and unclean. So he's doing both. So if he does that, then that would apply to Job. Because he's taking something that's pure. And he's having something done to it, which seems horrible to us. And it is horrible. But you know... As at the end of Job, it doesn't say he gets children to replace his children. That would mm-hmm. be uh, that'd be very paganistic and, and mm-hmm. heinous. But uh, what he gets more children. So may I suggest this: that there are times, and I'll just use uh, say the history of the Jews, the nation of Israel. They've lost many of their children throughout the ages. Uh, the Holocaust, of course. And in Jerusalem, one and a half million people, at the time they destroyed the temple, one and a half million Jews were killed in the streets of Rome. In 70 A.D. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then they, had the law, they passed the law that the remainders had to be dispersed throughout the world. So they were. Now, that all happened. So all that bad happened, but they can never replace those children But what happens is in the book of Job, and so this may be something of an explanation about Mm -hmm. Job, they did have other children. But they don't replace, but you do have others, and you keep going. So, hmm, it's interesting that, uh, as you say that, I just want to, parenthetically, I finally saw that movie, uh, Paul the Apostle. Oh, did you? It's touching. I tell you, to see men and women suffer and and die for for their faith and, and... it just really touched me for the and that they were willing and that they 
and they held on to their faith. They didn't deny it. They, oh, no, I want to live. Well, they, there they, is a theory about strange. what goes around comes around. In other words, you may be naming your own punishment. Because if I do to you, like as you said at the beginning of the show, you said something. They said the uh, the, the punishment's going to come around. Well, okay. But then God always says, and they will be punished for what they've done mm-hmm, to you. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of naming their own punishment. Huh, interesting. Well, well, the point, though, I, I think a point, let's go take Bob's call okay. just here a second. But also just the idea that... Ultimately, all things will be made right. We're guaranteed that. And there is sort of of that one-to-one correlation. All rights will be made right, and and sin and and, and wickedness will be judged and condemned. But it isn't all going to happen in this lifetime on this earth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our ultimate healing is going to be in glory, when the ultimate uh, cleansing and the forgiveness. And maybe that's an aspect of this, too, is that that, that and, and there's this idea, this question continually about about eternity, about if a man dies, shall he live again? And so so uh, it opens the door. The understanding is that not all of God's perfect purpose is going to be fulfilled here, but only at, in eternity, ultimately, we, we, we see that solution. Maybe that's a theme as well that we can pull out of the book of Job. Let's let's go quickly and uh, talk to, I think, it, is it Bob on the line? I believe it is. Oh, yeah. And let's see what Bob has to say about uh, yes, what we're talking about. Hi, Bob. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Greetings, uh, Sophie. Greetings, uh, Jacob. Yes, sir. Uh, the, uh, I, you were talking about atonement, and I, I think it's important to remember we, we look at the Hebrew uh, atonement doesn't really come across as that well in English, uh, but in the Hebrew, it's a kippur, uh, it's a covering. Uh, and uh, so I don't know if the sin is uh, substituted for, but it's covered uh, to where uh, the Almighty can't look upon sin. And it, mm-hmm. we ask in uh, the Aaronic blessing, may you have his face to shine upon you uh, and give you peace, but he can't look upon sin. So uh, the sin has to be covered, and it's also put into uh, elsewhere. It says it's thrown into the deepest sea, which would be the grave. And uh, so, in other words, we need to repent. We need to repent. As far as and, the uh, east I is think from Jacob, the west, it says. As far as the mm-hmm. east is from the uh-huh. west is another image. Sure. So, so far, has yes. Our so our sin, our, we need we need to kill. We need to kill our sin. It can be covered up, but at the same time, it's not going to be covered up unless we kill it. In, in this life, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. do the best we can uh, pay though, back yes. our debts that we that we that we mistakenly did to somebody else, or if we possibly can, and and other things like that, and uh, that have to do with repentance and change, and uh, then the sin can be covered. Uh, that that is what actually atonement is. Mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. I I just. Uh, I, but I would like Jacob to maybe as a, to a comment on the Tushleek uh, service, and uh, there there may be an application there. That uh, is done in Judaism, but I don't know as uh, enough about the Tashlik to really talk about it. Well, but it I, I'll, to, I'll, I'll hang up. No, that's okay. Whatever you want to do, but it's okay. Yeah, I understand. And uh, if you're there, uh, you can explain what it is. But it has to do with casting the bread upon the water. Is that the idea? Okay. That the Tashlik? I'm not yeah. sure yeah. if I've heard it. Well, it's and, and and one of the reasons is is I, in fact it's interesting because this week this came up in a in a Torah study. Actually, you see on cars the little fish of the Christian symbol, right? Uh-huh, yes. That's actually an appropriated symbol. Originally, that was a Jewish symbol. And uh-huh. why? Because we go back to the book of Noah or Noah, and what happened is 
Some of the fish didn't die because water doesn't kill fish. Mm-hmm. So the fish lived. So the Jews would come up. I've with always a, wondered about that. About well, <laughs> they come up and they would make that little sign. And, I, and then I would make a little, the little sign back. And we'd know we're Jews and we're, we will survive mm-hmm. just like the water, fish in the water, even though we're oppressed by the Romans. I see. I see. And then it became. Sometimes we say, sometimes we say, hey, you're, you're, a, you're a landsman. He's a landsman, meaning he's a, he's a man of the land, meaning meaning the land of Israel. And it's kind of an identification, like, hey, he's one of us. Well, that's true. <laughs> but uh, going back to the fish idea, you're feeding the fish, and the fish uh, became a symbol for the survival of the Jews. So, okay. Right. Well, but I, I thought maybe the Tosh Leak was throwing some sins, sins away, but... Uh, it is, it is. Okay. And, uh, Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Appreciate you calling and tonight. Remember, That's our time for tonight. Uh, always, uh, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. All right, folks. Thank you for being with us tonight. Next week, we'll finish up the book of Job and go right on into, uh, I guess it's Ecclesiastes, right? Hope you'll join with us for the Bible Live. Have a great, great week and a wonderful Independence Day celebration. Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.